All right, so I guess this is how we're going to start. Um, this is Mike and Dave hit the stage. Yes, sir. Uh, I was going to call it talking shit, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's, a, that's already probably taken. It's definitely taken. Um, so we're going to start by introducing at least one of us for now. And that's All you, right. Mike. Cool. Uh, I want to know how you started. Not... <laughs> I got a good idea. How, I, I haven't met your parents, but I have a good idea how you started. But how you started in music. How you grew up. All right. So, I started loving music when I was very young. We all started with my uncle. He showed me, yeah, <laughs> in the back room. Oh. No. He was, he's only seven years older than me. Okay. <clears throat> so, he had that stereotypical 80s uh, stereo in his room. Big ass speakers, you know, turntable, cassettes. And he would show me Judas Priest, ACDC. The one that sticks out in my mind is actually uh, the Fly on the Wall. ACDC, Fly yeah. on the Wall. Yeah. That, is, that is one of those albums that just stands out. Right. In a, in a, in a, stack, a stack of records. Yeah. It stands out like so, that. But see, ACDC was, isn't one of my favorite bands. Judas Priest, since the beginning. We'll hug later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know there's the, the controversy about singer changes and na- now with the rock and roll induction and right. who's, who's doing what. I love Judas Priest. I always have. I loved Rob Halford. I didn't. When people say, oh, who cares? He came out. I'm like, I don't care. His voice changed my life. Right. It's one of those. Oh, it's. It's one of those bands. His voice, their style, it changed not only the way I listen to music, but the way I play. Right, right. Um, and I, then, yeah, and then it started from there. That's a great, I always loved how people get the same, like we'll listen to similar bands, but we listen to them differently. Right. Like some people love Iron Maiden. I have a love-hate relationship with yeah, them. I love Iron Maiden. I love them too, but they hurt. They hurt my soul sometimes. For what reason? <laughs> Somebody abused it in, oh, in my presence. come on. And it stuck. Um, your musical influences, I know they're very different than mine. Yes. We, we come from the similar roads, but a different, right. so, a different, different path. In high school, um, I was a typical metalhead. I had the Megadeth shirts, the Metallica shirts, right? And I walked in, <clears throat> and I met my friend Rachel. I didn't know her at the time, but... Uh, so she introduced me to a band called Operation Ivy. And Rancid, and all the punk stuff. That mid-wave of punk and it, in, yeah. the, in the late... Late, 80, late 80s, early 90s. Right. To this day, all my stuff is still Op Ivy. <laughs> right? Yeah, I wouldn't so, advertise that. <laughs> no, not my, not, not my not, passwords. Not the shame for the band. <laughs> Just you don't want your usernames out there. So, uh, so yeah, and it, it changed me. It changed me right there. And I completely changed my musical uh, listenership. <laughs> okay. When you, when you say it changed you. How? Like you, what you were listening to, you were listening to Megadeth, Metallica. Right. When you, when you changed, did it grow? Did it divide? Grow by, what do you mean? Like some people, when they listen to new music, they take it in and add it to their collection and it goes along with everything they have. Oh yeah. yeah. Or some people do the complete 180 where they stop listening to what they've been listening to and discover a whole new genre of music. No, no, no. It added to it, but it took over the metal. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, Yeah. The the idea that we we can either incorporate or overtake right. is such a 
weird thing for us. Right. Like for me, I I grew up listening to weird stuff. My dad, my my dad and mom listened to oldies. Mm-hmm. My friends listened to whatever. Yeah, you know, the neighborhood I grew up in was mostly Hispanic at the time. So when I started getting into metal, it was a shock. Like everyone was like, "Why would you listen to that?" Right. Okay. And it just felt felt good. Yeah. And my sister had listened to hair metal, but hair metal did nothing for me. Yeah. Yeah. Siblings. I have a sister. And older, younger. She's younger than me. Completely different musical style. Of course. Oh yeah. <laughs> she was the freestyle and the hip hop stuff. Okay. Well, which back then Queens in the in the nineties. Right. <laughs> back then we clashed. But that helped me with another, you know, it, it gave me another outlet of listening to stuff, even though I didn't like it. Now, I love it. Loving I don't know about loving. <laughs> I can I can appreciate. Right. But I also say that about bands that everyone else seems to love in metal. Uh-huh. Rock and metal, people, you know, they gush over Led Zeppelin, they gush over Rush, and I don't know. No, I kiss, <laughs> Rush, all those bands you're supposed to like, I can't take. I, I couldn't do it. No, I can't. The, the big one for me is Kiss. Yeah. I can't. never got it. No, I can't do it. So musicians that influence you, obviously you mentioned... Iron Maiden, you mentioned Judas Priest, now Operation Ivy. Right. Let's, let's go through. Let's hear where the placement is, where through the years, how it grew. All right. Number one is Mike Patton. Okay. He always, everything he did, except well, some, some of the bands I couldn't do, but <clears throat> almost everything he did, it stuck with me. I want to throw a timeout. Go ahead. Okay. So Faith No More, Mr. Bungle. Uh, Phantomas. Yeah. Tomahawk. Tomahawk. That's the hard one for me. Yeah. I'm trying to think what else he's done. Mondokane, the uh, Italian. I haven't heard that one. The Italian jazz stuff. Uh, he's in Dead Cross now. Dead Cross. So many bands. Yeah. So with, with Mike Patton. Right. What is it that you love about him? Do you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> These are damn good mics. <laughs> Um, Mike Patton is, is just the way he takes music and makes it his own. Like I was watching, a, <clears throat> I was watching a documentary about Faith No More and I didn't even realize that on the real thing, he had no control over it. I didn't know that. Yeah. He had no, he just put his voice to it. He did what he could do, but those songs were written for Chuck. Yeah. For the original singer, Chuck Mosley. Right. So that, that really, that, it feels like now that you've said it, I didn't know that. And yeah. it feels like, okay, I see it, but I also, that's my favorite Faith No More album. Is it? Angel Dust is my favorite. Angel Dust to me, front to back is almost the perfect album. Okay. I can see that. It's a good album. Yeah. For me, that's a great album for the one for me was a, the real thing. Oh, I Because it's yeah. so weird. Yeah. But I also love the the first album so much and I love Chuck Mosley he was so weird right and so avant-garde oh he those those albums too I, I didn't hear those until after I heard the real thing but even those I picked right up on I think everybody first heard about Faith and More from the real thing yeah. because of MTV yeah yeah MTV wrecked our lives by showing us stuff out of order yeah and the fish <laughs> so uh, sorry ASPCA sorry PETA <laughs> It was artistic. That's yeah, all I have to say. At that say. time, it was artistic, yeah. So, you got him, and people say that I sound, when I was singing, they would say I would sound like the guy from Helmet. 
I don't even know his name. I've listened to Helmet. I have their albums. They're not one of my favorites. I've heard one Helmet song my entire life. Meantime? Yeah. Uh, Meantime or uh, the other one? No, it's Meantime. Oh, yeah? It was the one. Yeah. And I, I don't think I'd compare you there, but I I got more of a patent feel from your style. Right. I Phrasing is a huge thing for me. Mm-hmm. Like the way someone sings a song. Right. And the composition of words. Right. And that I always felt was a little more Mike Patton-ish than mm-hmm. anything with the way the songs that you guys had done. Yeah. Uh, oh, for the record, anyone who's listening, um, Mike sings, I play bass. We've worked kind of in the realm of each other. Yeah. We, we always in the orbit. Yeah. <laughs> we never did anything together, I don't think. No, we never and got I think, to. I think since getting together with with Mike and everything like that. So many mics. I th- yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I think this is the most we've spoke. Yeah. To each other. Yeah, no, this is the most we've been in communication. And right. I feel like when, when I realize how much we have in common and how comfortable we are talking to each other, I feel like I've been screwing myself out of interaction for like 20 years. <laughs> but it's hard. It's hard because been, you come in and you don't even, you know, you're, we would go to the studio and you would be behind the, the counter. And it's hard to have an interaction with someone like that when you got two hours on the clock. On the clock for money. Right? So, yeah, no, I get that. So, and then there was no... Our bands were so different that we never played shows together. Yeah. And by the time we started playing shows, you guys were moving around and, you know, you were start. I think you were ju- you were getting serious and moving, moving away from music a little bit at that time. Right. Um, Mike, I know, took took a, a hiatus for a little bit. I actually ended up leaving music to go into a career and then jump back into bands a few years later. Right. And it was we were always literally just like just missing each other in the process. And now, now we're, it, it's, it's so hard to we're find people men. to play. Yeah. We How were old men be- at 25, at 25 years old, we were old men. Oh my God. I don't know. I don't even know how I would feel on a stage at this point. I would feel fat. Well, I'm, <laughs> I am fat. So that's not the issue. But like, I don't know if you, were you a stage fright guy? Uh, no, I was for the first show. And then my sister came over to me. We had like 150 people at Castle. And Castle my, Heights. And my sister came over to me because I was sitting on the stage and not moving. And my sister came over to me and she goes, you see all these people here? They're all here to see you. She goes, don't worry about what you'd say. They're not going to remember. They're just here to see you. And I remember the, 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 the first chord. I was like, fuck it. This is what we're doing. <laughs> and I went from there. It was That's- great. But I had nightmares for a couple weeks before that almost every night voice going away oh singing completely out of key right forgetting the words getting up there and completely forgetting all the songs oh those are terrible that is the that is the 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 nightmare or you go to play and nothing comes out because somebody (laughs) stepped on on a tuner pedal (laughs) on purpose or by accident right right but uh no i never you know i have a problem with less people oh the the more intimate the the showing is yeah Oh, one on one. If if somebody asked me to sit across from them and play my bass, right, it would sound like garbage. Right. If you get get a band together that, and jam, right, I can jam. The worst thing for anybody was, oh, you sing, sing me something. I'm like, nope, doesn't work that way. You start with Baba Black Sheep and work <laughs> your way up. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't happen. You know, I'm not that guy. I know guys like you said that you know they pull out their guitar at the party. I'm not that guy. I can't. I can't just sing a cappella for you. I'm not your fucking and, monkey. And I'm one of those people like, oh, look, here comes a douche with a guitar. <laughs> so your sister kind of knocked you back into, into oh, yeah. senses. Uh-huh. Family support. 
Yeah. So my is, parents never came to a show, but I actually got my parents to a show. Did you? Yeah. At the old Lemoors. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> my mom got dressed up like she was going to the theater. <laughs> but your parents did they weren't interested? Not that they weren't interested. It's just that I don't I don't think they would enjoy the whole atmosphere. My parents were not are not outgoing people. I get that. You know? Yeah, I, I definitely get that. Yeah. Um, supportive of music in general. Oh the, yeah, yeah. They Oh that's great. Yeah. Except for the whole, you know, growing up and never learning an instrument, that's why I had to sing. Well, the voice is an instrument. Oh, yes, it is. Depending on how you use an instrument of destruction or <laughs> a tool to haste. I was, I was a choir kid, uh, kind of against my will. Right. And then uh, my voice changed and that was over. Really? <laughs> yeah. Once the voice changed. Did you, do, did you do backup vocals or anything? No. No? No. I tried. It was terrible. Really? I'm not a singer. Are you sure it's just you think it was terrible? Or? Oh, I think we, as a band, voted never do that again. Oh, okay. All right. But it was also, you know, it's thrash metal, death metal. Right. Backup vocals are really just, ah. Yeah. It sounds like somebody farting into a wind. Yeah. Not good. <laughs> I think you consider yourself the same level of, like, knucklehead, like, knock-around guy that I do. Right. Like, you've been through it. You've, you know, you're an adult now. Yeah. But... You weren't always a completely mature, well-adjusted adult. Yeah, I would, yeah. So when you started music, full knucklehead status? Oh, all of us. <laughs> Come on, UFK, UFK started as a joke band. Of course it did. We had, we had songs called The Drunk Song. We had songs, you know? We did, we did a song called Punching the Clown. You don't remember that That one. sounds, no, I wasn't there for that. <laughs> I was there for the actual, like... <laughs> Legit song titles, right? Right. Like that's uh, Kevin Castle gave me. Gave, I think he gave us the best compliment one time. He goes, "I've never seen a band start as a joke band and get so serious by the end." <laughs> I can't imagine John ever being a joke about anything. Oh, he wasn't. He he, he was, took everything super serious. He, he was yeah. He was he was the uh, like. I'm pretty sure him just hearing his name. In a podcast is going to make him angry. <laughs> I hope not. But you know it's going to happen. Yeah. I, and John, I love you. Uh, you're you're adorable. I know I shouldn't say adorable, but a full grown man. <laughs> but you're you're great. And uh, don't kick my ass for this. <laughs> uh, I I. And I like Kiki and and oh yeah. I, now the thing is, anytime I would play with any one member of the band, right, I was replacing Kiki at all times because Kiki was, <laughs> he was always the bassist. Yeah, so I never got to actually play with Kiki, which I could have, right, because our styles are completely different. Right, I can actually I play bass the way most rhythm guitarists play. Okay, so thrash metal is great for that. So I play as fast as a, a rhythm guitarist and. Hopefully, I can play over another bassist, and he was very much an in-the-pocket bassist. Yeah, well, he uh, most of the people that we played with were all self-taught. I don't think Keith took uh, lessons. I could be wrong. He was very, he was pretty solid. Yeah, you know, I can't, I can't speak to. It was, it was the, it was the us being. When did I meet Keith? I, I met them when I was seventeen, eighteen. So, two hundred years ago. We yeah, we all wanted to start a band but i think the only one of us who actually took lessons was mike oh probably john john probably did too john's 
I don't know. John and I had a very interesting discussion the first time I tried out for UFK. Yeah. I asked what key the song's in. He looked at me for oh. 10 solid seconds and went... We don't, yeah. And started playing. Didn't Not a word was said. <laughs> it's the he key. just stared at me and started playing. It's the key of this. Just <laughs> play in this key. Whatever this I, is. I, he was mouthing F you. <laughs> just mumbling under his breath. But yeah, we had no musical knowledge. None. And then when... You you had you had gone on and become family man, which now we both are. Right. And uh, Kiki obviously went off on his way. Mike decided he wanted to try starting something back up again with John. Right. And then John goes, "Well, what about Dave?" And they grab me, and I grab Leo. Yeah. And Leo, the king. I th- I th- I don't know if he's classically trained or not, but he's the musician's musician. He plays everything. Right. He writes everything. Right. He used to come in into practice and say, listen to this. I, pl- I just wrote this the other night. And he'd play you a completed song. Drums, bass, <laughs> there'd be a keyboard in the background. There's nothing for you to do. He, he goes, can you play this? I'm like, yeah, I can play it. You wrote it for yeah. me. <laughs> and then I would play it and I'm like, mm, this doesn't sound like me. I have to mess with it. Right. And Mike would do the same thing and we'd create something new. Well, you'd have to. What do you... Yeah. You know? I, I, I had become, for a few years, the king of copying for other just, people, just, just filling in for other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was asked a lot to do it for as either favors or you know join a band. They're like, oh, we have a show in a week, and we'd, I'd have to learn somebody's new stuff. Right. So speaking of first bands, right? Do you remember your first band that you were in? Okay. Okay. How about this? No, let's let's put it this way: the first band you tried out for. Do you remember your first tryout? Well, it wasn't a tryout. It was guys who had never played in a band before all together. And it was, there were three of us. Right. One of them is, was my best man at my wedding. Okay. Because we've known each other forever. And um, the three of us jammed on the same three notes for like an hour and a half because nobody knew how to play. <laughs> I had just bought a bass because they were like, hey, if you buy a bass, you'd be a bass player. Yeah. I just wanted to do something to get the yeah. yelling out of my head. What about you? So. The first, this is a whole Mike Patton callback. The first band I ever tried out for was with my cousin. Because by the way, I've always, I always wanted to be in a band since I was like 14, 15 years old. I used to draw fake band logos and put them on my wall for bands I was not even in. It's like knife through turd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think my first fake band, my, my first fake band was called Debris. Sp- spelled correctly or yeah, debris, like debris, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or like D E B R E E. No, no, it was not that clever. <laughs> no cheese. But, but uh, so then my cousin, my cousin was a drummer, and his band wanted uh, needed a singer, so they had me try out. And the first song I ever did was um, it's off the real thing. Hang on, it'll come to me from out of nowhere, which is so good. Yeah, it's such a good song. Needless to say, they did not take me but it opened my eyes to what i could do you know what i mean not that i was that good yet but you felt your limitations but, you felt where you needed to work right and it also got my foot in the door because as many times as i said yeah i'm gonna do this i never did i never took the step to do it and how many guys do we know that said yeah i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this and they just don't right right and especially guys are well, i don't know about you but guys my age i know guys tons of them who are like in bands and then they just stopped and just didn't do anything with that insane talent that you saw. Right. And they, maybe they went on to another career. Some guys just didn't. Mm-hmm. And that always drove me nuts. Cause they were, I mean, guys were so talented. Right. Right. 
They, but, do, they have regular but jobs. You know, and, yeah, but you know how many of those guys are out there now? That we knew? Yeah. It's... That are go- I, I don't half of them. I don't even know where they are. They disappeared into the ether of of, of life. Oh, I I know where half of the guys the guys oh, yeah? I went to high school with. I can find them. Uh, they're they're friends of friends. They they're around the neighborhoods and right. out in the open. But they're either in some of them are in regular legit work and you know your nine to five or your specialty jobs. Right. And then there's just like a small section of guys who just didn't. Yeah. Like the guys out of high school just they're they're there. They're living in a basement, smoking smoking pot all day, <laughs> not doing anything, claiming that they're working on music. Nobody's ever seen anything. Nobody's right. heard anything. Right, right. That's scary to me. Yeah. Because that, that feels like that failure to launch syndrome. But but the, the, these guys, I don't know if you noticed, but they're the, they got the same syndrome as the, the high school jock. Yeah. They Where peaked they, they really peaked. early. Yeah. And they just didn't after. And listen, I don't do bands anymore, but I love to, of course. Yeah. Now I just sing in the shower. Why wow, you, you let to, that? You let that sit real long. I'm trying not to. I'm trying not to. Well, there was a soap joke in there. There was a soap joke. There was there was definitely a a, a, a prison joke. And then when you think about it, like I don't sing in the shower because I know what I sound like. Yeah. And I usually just leave something playing outside and enjoy myself. Yeah, I don't. I don't sing in the shower. My kids would yell at me. <laughs> you kidding me? My kids yell at me if I shave my beard the wrong way. Uh, I get. I get. Uh, if my hair's crazy in the morning. Yeah, Daddy, your hair's insane. Yeah, like that's because you made it that way. Right? <laughs> Eat your breakfast. <laughs> you drive me crazy. Oh, oh, this kid used to walk by my bases and just slap all the strings across one of them. Boong. <laughs> I'm like, is this how you think you play? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Close enough. Uh, my kids want to take every lesson. My Both my kids. My one kid takes uh, viola. And, that he, is and the other kid is starting violin. Pretty close in, in style. Yeah, yeah. I never do the difference. Just two different clefs, basically. Yeah. One treble clef, one bass clef. But, uh. I tried to teach the. I tried to tell the little one to take a, a different kind of instrument, but he wanted to do the. He wanted to do the violin. Hey, listen, that's. I know. Pe- I work with people whose children are graduates of colleges playing the harp, right, and the trumpet, and they're they they paid they didn't pay for school. Yeah, the yeah. scholar the school the I told, musician scholarship. I, I paid told for them everything. get get good at it. One's, get good at one's it. a teacher. I forget what the other one does. One is a music teacher. Yeah, and he teaches orchestra. And the other one, I don't know what she does. Yeah. But very, I mean, very talented. How many harpists are there in the world? <laughs> Think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Now you talk about your kids. How has that changed? How you listen to music? Being a family, a family man. Um, I don't, you know, what's funny is everybody thinks that their kid is going to grow up and like the music they like. My kids can't stand what I listen to. <laughs> and it hurts my heart. <laughs> Although they are starting to, ever since Stranger Things, they're starting to pick up. Listen, I'll, I'll take Metallica. I'll take Master of Puppets. You know, if, I, it, if it gets them into it. There's no gatekeeping in our house. There's no, no. well, you like this, but not this. No. Right, right, right. Yeah, we don't no. do that. We don't, I don't do that personally anymore at all. It's like, oh, you like, no. you know, you got, people give me so much crap for liking Load and Reload. Okay. And my explanation is, they're not metal albums; they're hard rock albums. Right, right. If you take them for what they're all, yeah, yeah. And they 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 took in what they they had around them and made something new. Right. But you tell me you like Risk by Megadeth. I'm going to ask you to leave. <laughs> it's like Risk, no, on purpose. I, 
I don't. I think I listened to the new album uh, last week or two weeks ago, and I enjoyed it. But uh, I stopped at "Rust in Peace." I, no, I'm sorry. I stopped at uh, the one after it. Wait, countdown. Yeah, Countdown to Extinction. Yeah, Euthanasia was. High, That's what everybody tells me. Highly underrated. That's what everybody tells me. I got. I'll have to give that one. You're a You're missing a lot of the Marty Friedman excitement. Yeah. All right. And then some of the stuff after was really interesting, too, because after the change, after Risk and he, Marty Friedman left the band, he got new guitarists in, right. new styles. And then with the most recent stuff, maybe like two albums back, yeah, it got fast. It got fast again, like aggressively right. fast. Um, I don't like he has a lot of political beliefs. Mm. I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with anything, but he has a lot of political beliefs. Right. His stuff is starting to get tainted with political stuff. Is it? It Every, feels like that to me. Everybody does now. But uh. I think I think that's why we get into music, isn't it? To to put our thoughts out in the world. Yeah, it is. But I never I I never liked putting it in the music. I think it's there no matter what we do. Like I'm sure it is, but it's not so. When we were growing up, it was not so upfront. That I know of. Mm, wait, you're you're a punk and ska guy. Yeah. Those are literally political. Oh, yeah. I enjoy those. <laughs> I don't think you could get any more out front. <laughs> no, but I'm saying... I'm saying, like, um, I never understood the we meaning of the songs when I was a kid. We didn't feel it the way they right. felt it. Right. Right? So, Master of Puppets, I didn't learn what that was about till I was, like, 15, 16 years old. I was like, oh. Oh. So, it's not literally a Master of Puppets? You know? <laughs> I remember the first time I heard Angel of Death by Slayer compared to how I hear it now. Right, right. I'm like, oh, I get it. I'm an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) I was a moron. Which is the funniest thing is because when you think of the satanic panic, right? If they just listened to what they were saying, they'd realize realize it wasn't about that. It had nothing to do with it. Right. And the bands that were really pushing those agendas weren't in America and they weren't being played. You know, the Norwegian stuff that was coming out. Right. The church burning groups and all that stuff. Kill your bassist there. and put his body on the cover, and then somebody stealing skulls. And it's, it's <laughs> Norwegian black metal has a history of being just the worst people, racist, homophobic. Now, how did they come from? Nor- I thought Norwegian. I thought Norway was uh, one of those, uh, you know, progressive places. Yeah, you know, with the the, the Swiss Miss girl and all yeah, that stuff. Well, the women are a completely different breed of human. <laughs> I'm closer to superhuman, but also that superhumans create that that kind of disparity. Oh, yeah. Disparity. Mm, I see where you're going. But when you look at, like, especially with the Norwegians, I always thought, like, you guys, everything you have is about hate. Everything you have is about evil. Right. Doesn't that dilute well, it? Yeah. It, it takes away. But how could you listen to a song, an album of just I hate everything? And it sounds like it was recorded on a Mr. Microphone. Yeah. See, I don't even give the it low, a chance. The low quality never, stuff kills me. Can I me. tell you something? I could never... Even give you one song. Because as soon as it comes on, I'd be like, nope. I'm going to change that. The same way you're going to show me some ska. You're going to show me some of the stuff in your stuff. Yeah. You're going to hear some symphonic black metal. Oh. The stuff that's actually well-produced, well-written, composed. It's symphonic? What is symphonic, yeah. Yeah? All right. There's I'm actually... Interested. Um, I'm interested. One of, one of my favorite black metal bands is Demo. Demo Borger. Okay. And Demo Borger has some songs that actually include... The KRK uh, Poland um, Orchestra. All right. Uh, so that's a 26-piece orchestra. Right. So full orchestra, plus the band, plus a female singer, plus the singer. But how do they, how do they pull that off? 
You can't be an evil dude and go, you're going to play this, you know, to a symphony. They're well, going to be the like, idea go, is go they also yourself. have a choir. They have people singing in chant right. and then the music. And then normally what would be in progressive music is keyboard work. Right. Is a 26 piece orchestra. Okay. It's, it's just a different version of progressive music in that, in that same way that uh, heavy metal is spidered glass at this point. Yeah. Everything branches off of everything else. Yeah, yeah. Black metal got this beautiful attachment to progressive music All right. in symphonic black metal. All right. And uh, the the musician that my son is named after does stuff with a full orchestra at times. He does stuff with uh, choirs. Oh, that's the guy you showed me on the Devin way Townsend, out the yeah. other day? Yeah, yeah. He's a nut, but he's, well, can- he's Canada's nut, not ours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make you listen to, I, I listened to it the other day. Do you ever listen to the Gorillas? I've heard. I've I've listened bits and pieces. Yeah. My friend one John, of, one of my favorites, was one of those guys. He's like, you got to listen to this. And when he finally, he like, he said, no, you have to listen to this. Yeah. I sit and listen to a song. I'm like, I see what you're doing, and I love it. Yeah. That's he was. A, that's a singer from Blur. Is it? That's the singer from Blur. That you, now that's another thing I learned today. Yeah. That's, and I think I'm, I don't quote me on this, but I think he has more Gorillas albums. Than Blur albums right now. I, that wouldn't shock me. Because Blur had, what, three, four? I think so. I don't know. I and the Gorillas have at least five. The Gorillas have like 12, too. Do they really? Yeah. They have a... Where was I through the early 2000s? And it's like, I just listened to the one that they... I forget I forget what year it came out. 2018, I think, was the latest one. Because I lost track. I lose track of, uh, you know... You, we uh, lose track of bands with, and then yeah, with, discover with, new... Right. Sections of music. Right. So on the way home the other day, I was like, you know what? I haven't listened to the Gorillas in a while. And I have a favorite album, which is Demon Days. Okay. Right? And uh, Which I've seen the cover of a million times. And uh, and I, I showed Mike this. The way I want you to listen to Well, I'll, I'll have you listen to it both ways. They did it live With in the Harlem, animation. In Harlem. I, I heard about that. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. That's, so, you know, Death Clock does that too. Oh, yeah? They because of the cart because of the, the Cartoon card. Network cartoon right they have all the animation of live performances okay so they got a backing band right to do it and they're like phenomenal musicians it's the the right but it's not all animated it's them it, most of the time it's that it's them playing their instruments just behind a screen but oh, they come up it, it's like backlit so you can't you don't I would really say see Metalocalypse them. has the full animation up yeah. top no, play, no. they're playing to a to they a, do that a, a couple play. times but. It's it's actually him behind a screen sometimes. That's and, way more interesting. And then I think I, I I haven't seen it in a, in a few years now, but I think by the end they're up front and you it's them. Oh, yeah. the opposite of Tool, where they seem to feel like they're getting further yeah, away. Yeah, a Tool. That's <laughs> a Tool at Ozfest. It's and, like dissociation. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I've never seen a singer actually play with like sing with his back to the yeah to and the audience. he progressively got naked. He came out in a suit and by the end he was in his underwear. It's the it's Red Hot Chili Peppers all over again. <laughs> That's another band I never got. Red Hot Chili Peppers. I'll listen to the radio stuff. I, I, you know, even that stuff feels a little too poppy for me. Like it's upbeat. Yeah. And full disclosure, pop music is my thing from the eighties. Right. You know. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I, yeah. And it's. I wouldn't even say it's guilty pleasure. It's outright. Like I, I have no shame in this. Right. But it's it's eighties music and eighties like even some eighties dance stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, I grew up Puerto Rican neighborhood. 90s freestyle. Oh, which freestyle is my jam. I, I love it. with guys. They see, you know, I walk in the yeah, building yeah. camo and, you know, shirts that say weird stuff. And then somebody will be talking about something. I'm like, oh, you mean Stevie B? And they're yeah. like, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> what did you say out loud? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's so much fun. 
It's so, music is so much fun. Your tolerance for your kids' musical style is getting there. Get it? You're, you're like, starting to accept it, or they're starting to get their own style. No, they they. Well, you know what's funny is the past few days they've they've uh, they've surprised me because they fall asleep to something called uh, rock lullabies. I've heard I've heard of it. The first song is a Mumford and Sons song, and I've heard it a thousand times. Because it's the first song. And it drives me nuts. <laughs> right? But um, the other day, uh, one of the songs was playing, and my son was like, oh, this is uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival. And I went, what? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I asked, I asked what song this is. And I said, did you listen to the regular song? And he goes, yeah, that's, that's why I like it. And I went, oh, oh okay, wait. There's hope. Now, and which Creedence song was it? I'm trying to remember. I, I wish I could remember. I was like, have you ever seen The Rain? No, no. It was one of the more popular ones. Mm-hmm. But uh, but then last night, Shane comes. We put it on. And he's like, Dad, what song is this? And I'm listening. Because, you know, it's like, ding, ding, ding. right? <laughs> and he goes, this is Red Hot Chili Peppers under the bridge. And I went, you like this? He goes, yeah. And then he, he plays the regular one. And I'm like. All right, there's 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 hope because they they listen to that. Uh, I don't even know what it's called. What kind of that, well, post Malone I can deal with. Okay, so like hip hop and but that, uh, that pop hip hop new whatever it is. I don't know. Yeah, like, I I can't knock it because I don't know it. Right, right. And the stuff that I do know, it's not really it's not really fair to me to, for for me to judge. It's not made for me. Right. He's these guys aren't writing music for 40, 40 year old men. Right. If they were. It's creepy. <laughs> it's borderline Jared creepy. But but I now nah, I listen to that. And it, ugh, I can't. Maybe I will eventually, but I can't. It's possible. Right now. I, I actually have. You've heard the new. Well, this, not the newest, but the the last Ozzy album, the one that was almost completely not written by him. No. Ordinary man. It's got a duet with Elton John. It also features a song with him and Post Malone. Okay. So there are a couple of guys online who did a alternate version of it if Ozzy had written the song himself. Right. So it's done in his voice all the way through. And the guy who does it is guy Anthony Vincent from mm-hmm. Five Second Songs, 10 Second Songs, does this whole song in Ozzy's voice. Okay. And it's amazing because Ozzy has a very particular style. Right. And the guy who wrote it, Post Malone, is a huge fan of Ozzy. So yep. he wrote it with Ozzy in mind. Post Malone, he shocked me when I heard an interview he, with him. He's a very he's, articulate, he's a very intelligent, thoughtful musician. Right. And he's also, uh, from what I hear, an amazing, he puts on an amazing show. I've, I've seen clips of him out in the audience like yeah. over, on, the, on the, the long stretch. Yeah. And people are just, they're inspired. Yeah. And that's really... Love or hate his music If he's doing that for somebody Right No all the all the stuff my kids play by him I, I, I like That's good that's, I like him yeah That's really great My son He's much younger than your kids But his He's still listening to what I listen to, listen to. Okay So he falls asleep listening to 12 Foot Ninja <laughs> And I wish good it was a him. joke It started in the womb like Yeah I put on I put on straight up death metal It might have been I think it was Blood Brothers Uh huh By I Not Creator. I can't remember the name of the band, but it put on this. It's super double bass, right? And, and he was kicking. Oh the yeah, whole, the whole song he was moving around and kicking. <laughs> yeah, I used to feed my kids to Pantera and everything like that. 
And none of it stuck. I guess they just they're growing into their own people. Most recently, hey. this he had a day off this week for school, right? And it was getting a nap time. He was getting cranky, so I laid in the bed. All three of us are laying in the bed together, and I throw on music. He, I go to change. He goes, "No, I like that." And it was the Dead Daisies. I don't know if you do you know <laughs> no, the Dead, I don't know Daisies? Dead Daisies. No, it's I don't know who else is in the band, but right now the current singer is. Um, and my brain stopped. <laughs> it's one of my favorite singers too. Um, he was a singer for Deep Purple. Okay. Not Ray. Not Ray Gillen. Uh, Glenn Hughes. Okay. And Glenn Hughes has this super powerful voice. Right. My son just within minutes, cooing in his sleep. Nice. I'm like, I'm gonna ask Glenn Hughes to move in. <laughs> if we could do this all the time. Yeah, my kids fell asleep to uh, uh, the Four Seasons. Wait, the classical music or like the Four Seasons, like no, the, the yeah, doo-wop band? Yeah. Okay, no, either one is fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Frankie Valley. Frankie Valley used to get my kids to relax when they were babies, go to sleep, everything. Well, Frank, well Frankie Valley, I think, does that to adults, too. Yeah. <laughs> He's always been By the way, awesome when, we, when we were visiting my parents, they had a, a video of uh, Frankie Valley recently. They DVR'd it. That man can't close his eyes anymore because of how many surgeries he's had. He's it was like watching a fucking zombie up there. He stretched as far back as you can go. Yeah. Also, the voice that they have coming out of him is definitely not. Oh, it was totally, it was totally auto-tuned. <laughs> and I told, I tried to explain that to my parents what that was. And I was like, I was like, listen, it sounds very electronic. And then they, they would pick up on it. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, he's not, he's singing it and they're pitching it to, the, to where they're, it's they're, supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. From what I understand, I know Reba McIntyre uses auto-tune live. Okay. So she is singing, and it's just kicking the notes to where they have to be the higher notes. Right. So she has an upper register set, and it just, anytime she goes up, it goes to where it's mm-hmm. supposed to be in levels. Right. So she's not hitting wrong notes. Right. And I think Dolly, pa- uh, Dolly Parton's doing the same thing. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, if you, still, if you still can do it, do it. Yeah. If you need a little help, whatever, people are still paying to see you, let's do it. But then you hear about guys like the singer from Symphony X who doesn't use any auto-tune in the studio or live, and right. he's belting. Right, right. Just power singing. Um, I have a live DVD of him with another band doing these songs, power metal stuff. And when he goes to do his stuff, it's a little more soul-based, right. his voice. He's backing off the mic to keep the power even. Right. Because he's really hitting notes, but he's trying to keep the volume level he'd, by literally he'd, he'd kill it. Yeah, he'd kill it if he's I mean, up. he would burn out the mic. Right. It, and it's so powerful. Yeah. It'll be one of the things I make you listen to. Cool. But he's, he's one of those guys. That was another visit to Lamorne's. I went in randomly with friends and got to see Symphony X uh, getting ready for a tour. And they would just play the album beginning to end. That awesome. was their set. Yeah. Yeah. And you would never see that anywhere else in the world. Yeah. Like only in Brooklyn or places like Castle Heights or or more recently Blackthorn. Whenever it comes back, right? Those, That's those not places, back. Well, it's going to come back somewhere somehow. Oh, uh, well, I think it who, did. Lucky Thirteen. Well, Lucky Thirteen's been there for years. Yeah, but I mean, that's Kevin's where all those there. guys moved to. Yeah, yeah, Kevin, Kevin, and them went over there. Right. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm close with the owner. Right. Um, I've known her for years. She's from the neighborhood. She's right. from this neighborhood. Used to be just a couple blocks away, and they moved down to Sackett Street. Uh huh. Uh, Lucky 13, Sackett Street in Brooklyn. It's right. beautiful. Um, <laughs> I went there once. I liked it. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, the locals are all guys I know from the neighborhood. Yeah. There's actually one of the guys who's there all the time is a grave digger at the cemetery over here. Okay. And it sounds super cool. 
He's just a cool dude, and it just happens to have the yeah, I work, cool, I worked the coolest cemetery, death metal job ever. I worked at a cemetery for two seasons when I was right at the, right out of high school. I think he's he's got to be there 10, 10 plus years. I was not a grave digger though. I, no, he is literally. I, a, I mowed the lawns. <laughs> hey, I do not I do not crap on anyone was, doing lawn maintenance. It was one of the greatest jobs I ever had. I hate it was so doing my fun. own lawn. Yeah, it was so much fun. I bought the lawnmower. I bought the weed whacker. I'm like, you know what? I understand nah. <laughs> why I didn't want to do this. <laughs> I'm not better than this. I'm not better than this. I'm just not good I'm just, enough. I'm just not this. I'm just not good. <laughs> like, I can do it. It's going to look like garbage when I'm done. <laughs> oh. oh, I love when people are like, I could never do that. Yeah, I couldn't do it because I suck at it. Right. I do it. I do it. And then I, 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 I like this year, I did, I did nothing. Last year, I would be out there with a weed and feed and whatever the hell you call it you know this year nothing nothing we used to joke uh in my old band uh guitarist was a sanitation worker and i used to tell him all the time i could never do your job no i don't have the the first time I don't that have the tolerance for it. the first time that thing went down and the and the trash juice <laughs> hit me i would quit right on the spot i'd be done so i told him some stories from my job and he said, I could never do that. Yeah. I'm like, I'm glad we're in the same boat. We see what, what each other can and can't do. Because right. the second you accidentally put your hand in some, inside no, somebody's see, I, skull. Yeah. <laughs> I can never do what you do. No way. Uh-uh. I make it sound like I'm a neurosurgeon. I'm an x-ray tech. And I just did some <laughs> creepy work for a couple of weeks. Oh, my God. My job is just very boring. I, 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 there's something to be said about a boring job that gets stuff done. Yeah. Well, I used to, you know, I was a welder for 10 years. And then I got this job, the inspector. And uh, now I just it's, I hate the way this sounds. I watch guys work. You make sure that I make sure they're doing everything right. Yeah, that's this. And in the beginning, I hated it. In the beginning, but how many years it. did you weld? Uh, ten. And then after that, you've been. I've been doing this for 12, 12 almost twelve years. I'm going to be up so twenty two years. It's yeah. almost like you earn the right to step up. And, right. Yeah. That's what everybody says. Right. You can't knock yourself for moving up. Right. Right. You know, if you had gone from you know welding to flipping burgers, I'd be like, what are you doing? <laughs> Also, flipping burgers. It's important. a job. Hey, it's a job. Keeping me alive. Right. Barely. <laughs> Just about. <laughs> I am falling apart. As as all men over 40 are. Right, right. You're falling apart. Things things smell in new ways. <laughs> you know how many times this month I've told myself I'm going to do push-ups in the morning? Do you know how many times I've said I'm never doing a push-up? <laughs> but these noodle arms. Fat guy I, I, spaghetti yeah. arms. See, I'm at I'm I'm at the precipice, right? I'm kind of a fat guy, but I could teeter back to being a skinny guy if I just pushed myself. Yeah, I could if I if I lost the weight of like a bantamweight boxer, <laughs> I'd totally be in great shape. Like one, if I lost like 120 pounds, <laughs> I'd be I'd be fit. Uh, we've we've strayed away from music. No, we haven't. <laughs> Have you ever tried to throw this around on stage? <laughs> I don't know about you, but moving on stage like this is sweaty, <laughs> sweaty. But I, sw- I sweated so bad once on stage, the phone, the screen protector on my phone had slid off from the heat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, you know, at least I don't know. I don't know how clumsy you are, but there is there is documented evidence that I fell off the stage at Continental. Didn't fall off a stage. Yeah, that's only um, the only time I did, and they recorded it. And it's in the documentary. It is lost to time, but I had fallen through a wall at Roxy. Through? Through a wall. Which 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 studio? Studio C. Okay. So back by the Line 6 amp. Right. 
I was reaching over to check something and tripped and rolled into a room that didn't exist. <laughs> there was a, a piece of the wall that was basically like poster board. And I went straight through it. And the other guy in the room with me, Jeff, goes, dude, where'd you go? I'm like, I think Narnia. I was like, I don't know where I am. I crawl back through the hole. I'm like, did, okay. Did Dennis open another studio back there? It might as well. But it was, a, it was uh, Mike referred to it as the drum graveyard. Oh, yeah? It was all the broken drum parts. But how did it get back there if nobody knew it was there? Well, it's this little, like, it was like a false door in the wall. Like, this little tiny... Oh, it was an actual room, it but was just a room nobody knew it was there. It was like, I didn't know it was there. Right, and right. I had been there, like, a year at that point, but I fell through it, and, <laughs> hey, a new room. Uh, there, was, there were so many extra rooms and extra spaces behind stuff in yeah. that. It was scary. Yeah. Like, it was cool. It was a cool space. But every room had closets that were as big as the room sometimes. Right, right. The biggest room had a whole hallway that went completely around it to another room. Did it really? Room D, there was a door right before room D. Right. Uh, had a lock on it. You'd okay. unlock it. And that went to another room? It went long hallway. Right. It had a sharp right and a sharp left. The left was just storage. Right. The right was another long hallway. And that's where guys like Mo and Justin right. kept stuff for their band. Okay. And then... Past that was a door into another room, which was a kind of another drum graveyard. Okay. And uh, Dennis used to rent it out as like a drum practice room. Oh. A guy had a kit set up back yeah, there yeah. or like a, just a practice pad or something. It was a, and it had like pictures of Lennon and McCartney on it. Yeah. Well, I remember when they, yeah, they put that, that, that extra little like, uh, didn't they put like a little extra room in, in D? Like, a, like almost like a, a mixing room? Oh, the closet. Yeah. Was, it was a closet. Right. They set it up. It was basically... Like a recording booth, right? But we every room had something like that. It was a closet with the mixer and all the all the stuff to record. Not that was it, it was really because I remember we just used a little the CD player, the little CD player. Yeah, but all of that was going through the oh yeah the mix. There was a at least a oh that's right yeah because yeah that's board. right because they would make you yeah when you went it, I, I haven't been there in so long I know that I don't, I don't I remember they would make you sing it's an house thing. now yeah yeah so different. Yeah. None of the rooms feel the same. Yeah. Like there's still half, half the rooms are gone. Doesn't feel haunted. It doesn't feel haunted. And I feel like that's something that I loved about that place because I used to sleep there. Yeah. When I worked there, I used to sleep Saturday to uh, you, you and stuttering. John. Friday to, huh? You and stuttering John. <laughs> it's me and the cat. Just wake up with bubble gum aiming at my face. <laughs> Fucking cat. <laughs> no, but it was it was really funny. Like I'd wake up, like Dennis would wake me up with, a, you know, playing the drums. Yeah, yeah. I'd fall off the couch. It was, uh, it was great. That was a, but that place was creepy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, it was kind of comforting. It was kind of a cool. It was always. It always felt like a refuge for me. Yeah. Because nothing, like a, a, anything crazy that happened there, was never really that crazy. It was. It was. Yeah. It was never. Well, for for me, I mean, you know, I didn't never work there, but uh, it it was a drama free zone. Yeah. It, it felt that way. And you know? even when I had like, actually with Mike and them, I never had like one of those feelings like we, we had to argue. Right, right. Like it was always like, okay, and let me hear what you have. And we throw ideas back and forth and it felt good. Right. And no matter who Dennis uh, hired, I, I never, like you never had that problem of, uh, you know, a disagreement with, with pricing or whatever. It was always just. Well, Dennis was really, it was. Dennis was really cool about setting the, he set the price for everyone. Right. And the based on the size of the room, whichever one you booked was a different price based on its size. So there was no prime time. Like, you know, there was daytime hours. Right. 
And then there was like the regular evening and the evening was full price and the daytime was like 15 bucks an hour. Across I, the I board. remember that. Right. Right. But, you know, a lot of people couldn't come in during the day because they had real jobs or, you know, right. they were out and busy. So daytime was just, you know, you set up a mic or two and that was it. Mm-hmm. And then the evenings got busy and nights busier. Right. And you close at one in the morning and you were done. Yeah. But I mean, for the employees, Mike and I and and Mo and, and Justin, yeah. they would literally he'd take number of people in the band divide it by that and then reduce it by that like the oh, person that's cool. yeah yeah yeah, so, yeah you know if there were five of you in the band it was 25 bucks it was now right. 20 bucks is that what ufk got i don't even remember it was basically split that way yeah and i was like uh me and mike are working together <laughs> one it's just one sometimes he charge you the day rate it just depends he was always super cool yeah he was always super super oh, dennis thoughtful. was the dennis was the best he was he was always cool and you know, I always I missed him. Like, like I didn't realize how much I missed him until I saw him again when we did Dense the the first Denstock. Right. When he he was still he was still around for that. What after he? after Roxy closed, they did the first Denstock just as a support. Right. You know, show a support. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And it was all Roxy bands. Yeah. It, you know, it was all the all the, the it was even the guys the guys who had the the permanent studio room. Yeah. They came out. The okay. guys who never were never there right. came to this thing, and uh, some of the some of the the local you know the local heroes. Yeah. Came out and played. I mean, they busted their ass for him just just to show him how much they loved him. Right. And then when he passed, it became a benefit in his name. Right. But the first Denstock was just, it was really to help him out, and you know, because huh. the studio had closed. And, All right. You know, everyone loved his family. His daughters were always around. Yeah. You know, they were super cool. Yeah. There was he's his whole family was super cool. They were great. There's one the one person we couldn't crap talk. Would be Dennis. Like, I, I can't say... Like, like, I can think of funny stories, but never anything like... You wouldn't believe what he did. Right, right. Like, I, I remember uh, they were redoing the street right outside the studio. Right. So he comes in one day. I was still working there, so it was 2003, four. He comes in with Buddy ha- hammered and uh, with a parking meter. What the hell's Buddy? No, his Buddy. Oh, his, one of his Buddies. <laughs> he comes in with Pete. Buddy. I'm like, okay. I think it was Pete. Oh, okay. And, I remember uh, Pete, yeah. So they come in with a parking meter. Yeah. I don't know if you know how heavy a parking meter is. Oh, yeah. It took two of them to carry it up the stairs. I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, nah, it's fine. It's empty. It wasn't empty. It was empty. Oh, it was? No, no. He wouldn't because that's a federal offense. <laughs> and he knew. Yeah. But he said the second he said the second I got upstairs, it's never coming out of this building. Yeah. yeah. I think it might still be up there. No, like those guys had to get rid of it. The I don't know. Because there's some of the stuff in Otter House is still Roxy stuff. Oh, yeah? It's not. A, it's little bits and pieces. Yeah. But I can't. I can't confirm or deny that that parking meter is gone. <laughs> that thing was heavy. I couldn't pick it up by myself. Yeah. And I have that. Uh, that innate gorilla strength. <laughs> that someone who's five five foot eight and way the wrong weight has. <laughs> when you pick up people for a living, you should, and you go, "Wow, that's that's heavy." You know, it's heavy. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Let's see if recording's still going on. Oh, this could go one of two ways. Oh, it's still going. It is. What are we up to? I don't know. Uh, 51 minutes, 34 seconds. Wow. Yeah. Like, we haven't talked for an hour to clip. Yeah, I know. Just rambling on the way to or from a D&D game. <laughs> king of the D&D nerds. Oh. No, Mike is king of the D&D yeah. nerds. The guy who actually looks like a wizard yeah. and he, paints the minis. And, and plays in like four games. That's which he's down. He's down from more. 
Because I used to be in an online game with him. I can't, I can't do more than one. I used to be in a Friday night game with him. Where yeah. I'd start playing at work on Discord and have to talk my way through my parts. Yeah. It did not work well. No. No. It's it's hard to concentrate. I, t- I can't. No. Like, like yeah. One, one week, uh, Brian did it online. And I was thinking, and I was like, I would never be able to do that at home. Well, you have... But even if I was able to get away, away from the kids, like you said, I would not. I, I'd be watching TV. You know, when you're waiting for other people to go, at least when you're in the room, yeah, you can look. We can talk. We can joke around. If you're just by yourself, well, speaking of Kiki, um, the game, the Friday night game that we played was with Kelly, right? Oh, okay, and her sister. Yeah, yeah. So it was Kelly and Rich and um, a couple of other people and Don from Texas, right? Which is why it had to be online only. Yeah, there were a couple of people out of state, and it was a lot of fun. But it was hard to concentrate. And when I did have the ability to sit and concentrate, I felt like I wasn't doing the right thing. Yeah. So when we started playing in person, it felt it just felt right. Right. I'm I'm better. I'm not great, but I'm better. <laughs> well, you got your brain eaten the last time. So. Yeah. New guy's coming. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah. Oh, it's so it's so bad. It's it's so. Mike helped me. <laughs> Mike helped me pick out just something <laughs> terrible. <laughs> <laughs> he was also talking if I wanted to bring him back. The other guy? Yeah. How? He found a thing. Uh, he sent it to me. I think it was called The Returned or Reborn. Okay. Uh, lost it. Still lost it. It's haunted. It, it's this whole section of haunted characters. There it is. Yep. Faded Memories and The Reborn. Okay. It would basically be death is not the end, which I had been talking about with. I was thinking about running a game where all your characters start out as normal. Right. And eventually they get picked off one by one, but come back as a different type of character instead of um, like if you were a druid, you become a Siabra. Siabras are bound to the land and super protective. Right. But they become enemies. So you'd fight. um one of the other one was uh, uh, Draug. Yeah. And Draugs are fighters that took too many healing potions and just die one day and then get back up because the healing potions are now what keep them alive. You could take too many healing potions? According to the D&D, you can. Who knew? Healing potions are heroin. You hot pack it yourself, you're done for the day. Um, back to music. I don't know about you, but music and games. I, were you a video game guy? No. I, I, I tried a million times, and I can never do it. Like, my kids try to get me to play Fortnite. I can play it for... First of all, I'm terrible. I'm terrible at Fortnite, and, too. Uh, but it just it doesn't hold my interest. Okay. You know what it is with me? <clears throat> Every game seems the same to me. I, I see the formula, and they all seem to... It, it's the same game, just different formats of that game. I get that. I, I definitely And it get bores that. me. I think, uh, especially today, things have become so rote and copied of each other. Right, right. That like, it, you lose it. Like, like, you know, sometimes I have downtime at, at, at work, and I play a game on my phone, and then it, it advertises some new game, and I download it, and I'm like, the same game. It's the same game. It's, it's just a puzzle. It's the same crap over and over again. I'm one of those people that gets into puzzle games and then beats them. Yeah. Like, when I had an iPhone, it was Unblock Me. It was a little wooden block puzzle. Yeah, I know it, yeah. Did you know there were 900 levels? 
No. Yeah. I, think, <laughs> I found that out I, the hard way. I don't think I've gotten past 20. <laughs> it just said congratulations and stop <laughs> working. It. <laughs> it quit on me. It's like, eh, forget you. Yeah, you did it, right? You did it. You're better than us. Every once in a while, I'll be playing a game. My, phone, my wife will lean over and look, and she goes, level 600. I'm like, yeah. She goes, how much did you spend on that? I'm like, nothing. nothing. <laughs> like, I'm not paying money. I use my five phone game. I, I use my five lives. I've waited the hour and got my five lives back. Oh yeah. There's no way I'm spending money no. on a game like that. No. I have friends who have sunken so much money into into video games. They're nuts. Like in in the three decimal place, four decimal places. Yeah. Thousands, really? It's some in ten. Tens ten of plus. thousands? No ten way. Plus. Yeah. That's it's an obsession. It's pointless. I know guys who well, I know guys who are obsessed with video games on a level that you know, like some people are obsessed with music, some people are obsessed with art. They are video game obsessed. Yeah. I had a friend who grew up in this neighborhood and used to go daily to Chinatown Fair in uh China in New in Manhattan, Chinatown. Yeah. And literally just to sit and play play King of Fighters or, or Street Fighter. Yeah. Once an hour. Because, yeah. you know, you'd put a quarter up and that'd be your turn. You'd have to wait your turn yeah. to get on the machine, maybe for a round or two, yeah. so if, you were, the, if you were lucky. I, I Growing up, I was, I was, all through high school, we hung out at the pool hall. That was a music place for me. That was the jukebox. I would say that's the, the jukebox. jukebox. Playing pool and smoking cigarettes. That's what we did. I wasn't a smoker, but yeah. I, love, I love pool. Yeah. I, I'm not good at it at all. See, I was, at one point, I was in, I was in tournaments. I'm probably terrible now, but I was terrible then. I'm terrible now. Yeah. I'll be terrible ten years from now. I said I said join uh, nine ball tournaments. Yeah, not too great, but I I would I would do all right. That's better than I would have done. They yeah. wouldn't have let me join a tournament. Yeah, like, no, we want people who are actually going to actually <laughs> cause competition. Well, you would just be out in the first round. That's I'd be all. the first. Yeah, they would, take the, it, they would take your money anyway. Yeah. But where's the fun in that? It's like right. it's like people who join bowling leagues with no fingers. Yeah, what <laughs> exactly? <laughs> It's like, what are you going to roll? To? How are you going to do that? <laughs> it doesn't work. It just doesn't feel right. I hear you. But um, the pool hall, um, for us in Brooklyn, it was yeah. the diners with the little individual jukeboxes. Oh, yeah? I didn't even know those existed. They, I lived in Queens. We, we, oh, no. You know what? One of them, I think, had that. Probably the Jackson Hole. <laughs> no, I think it was the one on Northern Boulevard and, and uh, Northern and, and uh, Franny Lou. Because I remember the one. I was about to say the little Greek spot, but... Most of the diners in New York are Greek. A Greek, diners. yes, that's what I was going to say. Which is why they're good. They have everything. <laughs> right. Um, the one right next to formerly Blackthorn. Yeah. I don't remember what it was called. Oh, the one with the big peach on it. It, it, is, it, it is now Georgia the Georgia Peach. peach. Then yeah. it was the, the back then it was the Las Vegas, and I could contact somebody to find out what it was right. before that. Right. But it was, it was a good diner, and it had the jukebox. Yeah. And it had everything. Pat Benatar, Sinatra. Do you know? Up until I was in my. 30s I probably hadn't been to a diner during the day I can I can understand that it was always the after the bar thing <laughs> well I was I wasn't a bar guy what the hell is wrong with you I don't know I I didn't drink until I was 23 wow first right. sip of alcohol yeah like first serious drink yeah was 23 years old okay. I was actually working in Manhattan and my friend friend I worked with was like come on we'll go out and have fun I'm like this is fun? Is this what that's supposed to be? You didn't have fun the first time you drank? I, I, had, I, don't a, remember. I had a drink. Yeah. Jack and Coke. Okay. Yeah. It was over. It was all right. It was, I do like Jack and Cokes. I, See, but you grew up here where I... I oh, no, you have... Well, no, I, yeah, but could they, have, could they have keg parties in those, in those parks around here? 
Like me, I lived by Cunningham Park and Alley Pond Park. Oh, I was I was in the middle. You're of, talking the high school days. I was yeah. So in I high was, school, I was in the middle there, of, of 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 you know cake party central. It was there no were parties like that. I just didn't go. My curfew was sundown. Until when you were twenty? No, I was like eighteen, nineteen. Really? Yeah. Oh my curfew God, was sundown. By eighteen, nineteen, I was. My parents were nervous that I was dead. My parents thought I was dead more often than not, but <laughs> more, they were thinking more brain dead. But I used to, like, I had this girlfriend through high school. Right. And I'd call, hey, can I stay out a little late? And the answer was always, come home now. Wow. Yeah, so, you know, it killed your social life. Huh. Makes you kind of socially awkward. They used to call me the Puritan. Like, oh, the Puritan's <laughs> got to go home. Father Dave. He's got to go home. Right. He's got to be home in time for prayers. <laughs> Meanwhile, not a religious guy. Right. But... It seemed to work. I, I didn't get in a lot of trouble in high school. Yeah. Didn't get in trouble a lot, really, at all. It's a different story. <laughs> you got to love I, this. Yeah. You got to love this neighborhood. I, I, love, I love the ambiance of this, of this right now. It There's could, sirens in the back. I kind of like oh, it. Oh, it could be worse. I'll tell you, there, there was a time. <laughs> there was a time where that was coming from across the street right. all day. From an apartment. And also, there's a church next door. Right. That has wall-mounted speaker systems. Oh, my God. In the summer, on Sundays, these walls would shake. Not anymore, though? Uh, not that my parents, oh, yeah, haven't yeah. Com- my parents haven't complained about it in years. Right. But they, you know, there was a point where their, their pastor was there actively. I don't think their pastor's there anymore. Gotcha. I think they're just kind of for events now. Yeah. But it's, it's a Pentecostal church. Okay. So they, had, they used to have, at one point, they had a live band. They had the, the speaker systems. It doesn't bother me. Do what you want to do, but bothers your parents. It, everything bothers my parents. <laughs> oh, I wasn't allowed to. I wasn't allowed to play my bass with my amp, and I had a little tiny practice amp. I wasn't allowed to use that. I had to use headphones. Oh, so I for years I didn't know what I sounded like playing. <laughs> I was like, I think this is all right. I still I tell people all the time. I'm like, does this sound good? This is okay. Are these is, are these levels all a- right? Am I mixing right? Yeah, yeah. Took Dennis pulled me and showed me how to set up bass for somebody else. Yeah, and I really just applied that to my own stuff and right i do everything through pedals so i don't have to look at that bass head and it sounds okay yeah and then one time i went to record in a professional studio and the guy's like don't even look at it it doesn't make sense (laughs) he had the bass it was a a 70s bass head son settings were all over the place two and nine and no idea what was going on. Then he had a, a Sansamp DI pedal with dip switches on it. Right. He goes, I'm going to make you sound like a million bucks. He did, and I have no idea how. <laughs> and all I want to do is find this guy, bring him all my gear, and go, make me sound like that again. Yeah. Because it was, it was one of those things. Like, he'd plug into a patch, and he'd be going through the same amp. Yeah. And we'd noodle back and forth so he could show me ideas. He goes, why don't you take something, and he'd listen to what I play, and then play it back, and then do something a little different. He goes, try it like that. And I'd do it back, and he's like, mm, try it again. And, you know, we'd goof around for like 20 minutes right. on one riff just to find a take that we liked. And then he's like, that one. We're cutting that and putting it into this piece. Huh. All right. I never knew that. And when, where is this guy from? Where, where he, he was, there was a studio in this neighborhood, uh, Sweetfire. Okay. Um, this guy, Hambuzi, uh, worked with Constantine Maroulis from American Idol. Okay. And they opened a studio here in the neighborhood. Band I was with at the time, who I will not promote uh-huh. or give credit to, okay. um, decided they were going to record a demo, a three-song demo. Went to the to the studio. They they were like, "Yeah, we'll do it. We, we got to listen to what you have." 
they sat and took notes. Yeah. Like the guy, the, the producer, Hambuzi, sitting, taking notes. He goes, it's a good song. It really, and he pull, he takes his notes and pulls a whiteboard out and starts writing a chart out wow. for us. Making legitimate changes to the song. Right. He goes, it's not that the song is bad, but it's, it's, it's all over the place. He goes, if you do it in this format, right, it's going to be a completely different cohesive Did you song. guys do that? Did you? We fought him for about five minutes. Right. He said, you know what? Take a minute and talk amongst yourselves. And he stepped out of the room. Right. And I was one of the guys like, you know, screw him. Right. He doesn't know what he's doing. And then I was like, maybe we should just give it a try. And the, uh, the guitarist was like, nah, fuck him. I went, you know what? And I was always, anything they the, want, yeah. the guitarist said, I was usually on the opposite end of it. I'm like, let's try it. The worst yeah. case is we don't like it, and we yeah, don't do Yeah, it. you go back to the normal, yeah. We learned it, like the chart, and we played it, and it sounded so much better. Yeah. And we agreed to record them the way, and we did. And the drummer had trouble. It was his first time recording with a click track. Yeah. He was having trouble getting used to the click, but he got it, and he nailed it. Right. When he nailed it, he nailed it. Right. And then... <clears throat> I went in and I had done I had done recordings before I had done the album with Shadow Demise, and the click track wasn't the problem for me. It was the speed at which Shadow played. I just never felt I could get it with my fingers, and I never learned how to use a pick at that point. Okay, and this was not that. It was just stylized. It was real groove, so I was able to do it no problem. So we went through. We were done in, the, in like two hours. We were done with these. It was two songs. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I can and we see ran that. through those two songs. Mike, the vocals guy, and everything. No, just the, oh, okay. that was just bass. Right. It took, oh, all the, right. For, for the drums with the adjustment, the setup and the adjustment for um, the click took two days. Okay. One day for one song, one day for the other. Then the next week, I came in on like a Friday, in the in early in the day because I worked I worked overnights back then. I showed up, sat down, and did the two songs as a practice. Then we ran through them again, and he recorded them. Yeah. And then he's like, yeah, we're done. And the Mike, the other producer, is like, let me hear it. He listened back. He goes, it's good. And he goes in the other room, gets a bass. He goes, now we're going to have fun. He and set up, way, he way, set up two more tracks. Yeah. And he goes, I want cuts. And he started pulling out times. Right. Like, I want to cut here and here. I want to cut here and here. And it only recorded on those spots, like punch-ins. But instead of punch-ins, they were full replacements for the bass line. Right. So we just noodle over those spots to get like a little... Punch it up a little to dance right. it up a little bit. Right. And his his ideas I had never thought of. So I immediately felt uncreative. I felt insecure. Right. He goes, I'm gonna show you stuff. And he goes, now he'd show me how to play his way. He goes, now do it your way. He wouldn't take the, the right. take he did. So I'd dance back, I, you know, I'd play something back and he'd be like, That was all right, do it again. And we'd do it like six or seven times, and he's like, That one, that's the one. I love it. Perfect. Stop. Yeah, and we'd stop that part, and then he we'd pick up and play the rest of the song, and he'd let me play through the next section mm-hmm. and just goof off. Right, and so much more creative stuff came out of that. Now, did you? After that, you obviously played shows. Yeah, we played, and we played them that way. But oh, oh that's what I was going to ask you. You changed the song. Now, your bass line. Did you use the? Parts I used that- those parts that we we had noodled with, and I felt because once I once I had them recorded. I could listen back to them and learn and play, what I played. Right, right. Which I found out. That's what bands do. They record in the studio and then learn what they recorded. Really? A lot of bands do that. They don't have the song. They have the song somewhat down. Right. But then all the stuff they add, the flourishes and all the all the weird yeah. idiosyncrasy stuff, that they learn that afterward. Huh. 
Because I always wondered, there was always, you know, like I see these people, they're like, I'm coming out with a song tomorrow. I wrote it three weeks, three days ago. I don't get that. And I'm like, how? Well, that's Leo. Yeah. Leo's like, yeah, I, I, and Leo, he has a drum library at home. Yeah. Because he recorded with several bands over the years of his drummer's hits. They recorded the isolated drum hits and he uses those with a MIDI sequencer. And just puts his own drum line together. With an actual drum kit. Basically. So it sounds... It sounds yeah. like real drums. Yeah, yeah. And I could play stuff that he'd given me over time, and they're just... Right. They're, they're, they're as close... Like, they sound a little robotic because they're cut. Yeah. But you can you can normalize that if you really needed to. Now, did you ever listen back to the bands uh, that you played in <clears throat> and and just give it... Like, I listen to UFK now, and I'm, I'm shocked at how well some of the songs were written. Absolutely. They're, especially... Like, because I was a later member of UFK uh-huh. or some iteration of that. Right. I learned Kiki's bass lines. Yeah. And then I put my style over them. Right. So I'm not saying I prefer my bass lines to his. I well, do. they're yours. So. They're, but they're, they have a little bit of my soul in them. Right. And it's like the, the, the odd time signatures, they're interesting. But the patterns and the way they feel and the yeah. way, like I can feel John's hands in something Ew. I can feel my yeah <laughs> just like a glove puppet but I can feel I can feel your your effect on on the pattern right because I can feel your vocal effect like the way your voice affected the song right um, when we tried to get a singer it was hard to find somebody who could think in those patterns really what what was so different I thought I just was a straightforward singer you are a straightforward singer but yeah. you're singing in your voice that's in your head Ah, okay. The same way I play what I hear in my head. Right, right. And it's never the same as what somebody else hears. And was it just that, you, that they didn't sound right? Or it they just... It's not that they didn't sound right. They couldn't put their own... They didn't, they, some people couldn't put their own thought to it. They right. couldn't put their own feel to it. Right. Um, one guy had the patterns down, couldn't get the voicing. Uh-huh. Like his voice just wasn't... And then we had a guy who wanted to rewrite the songs as he was singing. <laughs> He said, like, "No, no, no! Play it like this. You, you want to, you want to talk about John? Yeah. Like, get these him. are my songs, you he's asshole. Like, no, he's like, get him out of here. Get, oh yeah, that's awesome. I think it was a get him out of here before I get him out of here for you. Well, I, there was there was a time in the middle of UFK where I got kicked out. I think everybody's been kicked out of right? their own bands at least once. And and it was, <laughs> I don't know, because I was still I'm still still friends with Mike and Keith and right, and uh, I would talk to them and they'd be like." Yeah, we, we, we can't find anybody. And then they had me come back, and I remember walking in that studio. That's got to be a good feeling. And it was, because I got right up there, and I forget what song we started with, but I was like, let's go. I, th- I think it was Lie. I think it was the, the, the one that we, you know. It was we like closed, a penalty torture we, or Lie. We closed with, you know? And uh, I was like, let's just do it. And we did it, and it was like, it was like perfect. Like, everybody looked, and they were like, what, what were we doing? You know what? <laughs> Not to toot my own horn, but. Toot, 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 toot. <laughs> I yeah. remember, I remember jumping into the studio. We, I hadn't played in like a year, and Mike was like, "Oh, I'm thinking about getting a group together," and it was just me. I think it was just me, Mike, and John. Yeah. And uh, we picked like three songs. It was "Torture Penalty" and "State." Okay. I love, I love all three of yeah. those songs. And I once it was one of those conversations. What tuning is this in? And then that's when I found out that some of the stuff was in drop D. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. And then once I know a tuning, yeah. I will just sit and listen to it over and over again with a bass in my hand until I get it. So I did. 
so when I went into the studio, like, okay. And then he counted in and off I went. Right. And I kind of shut this off. Yeah. And then when I finally turned it back on, it was just John staring at me like, <laughs> it's like, apparently I'm not doing it right. Just dead eyeing me. <laughs> I was like, I guess I got to pay attention for a little while. Oh, man. Then Barry. I loved Barry. Barry's, Barry's so, he's, he's like the calmest little gnome wizard I've yeah. ever seen. Yeah. He still plays. I see. I'm, I'm friends with him on Eden Facebook. Song. Is he, he yeah. still Song? Uh, I don't know. Playing fla- uh, flute? I don't know. I don't but know. He, pl- he's he does a plays lot of everything. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Him and Joe and Justin play like everything. Right. And uh, I met him before. I met him before he was in UFK at Queens College. I went on a oh, date wow. with this girl. And it was Barry? And she was, uh, it was some, I, I want to say it was a musical interpretation class or something. And, uh, and we went. It was at night at Queens College, I think. And Barry played. Oh, okay. I had no idea who he was. And he did this. He did the Barry thing. He did a thing where he did gibberish. He was playing it and he was just singing gibberish, you know? Just, and he did it like right in front of my face and I did it back to him. And this, and then I'll never forget, we, we were looking for a, a, another guitarist, you know, the revolving UFK guitarist spot. And uh, it was Barry and, oh, I can't remember the other We had Barry, name. we had Mike, we had uh, Leo for a little while. We had, uh, we had a, a couple guys. You remember uh, Chris? Tall, skinny kid. I don't think I met Chris. Chris, I forget his last name. He does. He he travels to Puerto Rico now and does. He does music almost solely. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, he lives in Broad Channel. You would know him if he, he was. He was. I probably met him at some. He point He was a, a regular at Roxy. Yeah. Um, Chris Long. Chris Long. Chris Long. Offhand, I don't know the name, but I probably met him at some point. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, we had so many people try at the UFK. <laughs> oh, Nick Podmore. Oh, my God. I remember Nick. Yeah. Uh, he helped write a few of those songs. That, that Torture was one of... I think that was his song. It's that, that, that sliding effect, I think, was him. Yeah. There was, a, there was like a... For, for guitar, there's like this slide up with almost every part of the riff. Right. That was definitely not John. Yeah. It definitely felt like a third party yeah, got involved yeah. there. And then Leo Leo's writing was insane it was good yeah like really good and it was always just like he'd come in with an idea and then i'd learn it and then play with it and then john would learn it and play with it and then it would be a completely different song by the time it was done right but it would be perfect it'd be like like you'd you'd want to hear it again you'd want to play it again yeah and there were the four or five songs that way just just the four of us never no singer but we you know we couldn't find a singer right and i apparently either john or mike just hadn't thought to contact Call you. Call me. <laughs> like anybody, Thanks, guys. Anybody know where Grassi is? Oh, he's got kids now. He doesn't do this. It's such a common thing where people think you're too busy because you have children. No. I'll abandon my, ch- right. my child to do something. I could do something once a, once a week. Come on. I could. I, once in a while. You know, I can't, you know, every day. I get, right. I'm lucky I get to get up in the morning with my son and make breakfast and mm. take him to school. Mm. But I don't get to see him at night. Right. So he's in bed by the time I get home. Yeah. So the weekends, usually, I most of the time, it's both days. I get to see him. But if we play D&D or I have something to do, yeah. it's one. Yeah. I make the most of what I can. Yeah, I see my kids at night unless, you know, like you said, I work late. But uh, I I love being a dad, man. It's, it's the coolest fucking thing in the world. I was so I was so scared when I found out I was going to be a dad. I wasn't scared the first time. Well, you were, you were married. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't. 
Puerto Rican, but don't do anything in the right order. I was I was scared when we had the second one. Really? When we found out we had the second we're having the second one. Only because when we had the first one, I felt a love that I'd never felt in my fucking life. I get that. Right? That I understand. And I went like this. I went, I I can't do that again. I get you know that. what I mean? Yeah, I no, like, I definitely. I like, so I was scared. I was like, I still, what if, I still what if feel they that hand way. me my second kid and I go like this? Yeah, nothing. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. But, but I'll tell you what, we had the second kid and they handed me the kid and I went, oh no, there it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nah. Yeah, nah. Nah. You can keep this one. I had I had this for years. I'm a, I'm a two-time cancer survivor. Right. Uh, testicular cancer. Same side. Um, low sperm count. Low Same motility. side. Uh, I didn't know you it doesn't. That it doesn't have to be on the testicle itself. Yeah. It's in the region. Oh, okay. So massive cells can grow out of right, nothing. Right, right, right. So same side twice. Oh, okay. Um, treated and healed. But I, low motility, low, low count. It took like emotional trauma to get for us to have a kid. Right. Like we went through some, some pretty heavy stuff together. And in those moments, we bonded on a different level. Right. You know, air quotes. <laughs> And uh, I don't know what you mean. Three months later, she comes upstairs and tells me she's having a, having a baby. Yeah. And, you know, we I go I told her, listen, I need to go through some emotional stuff by myself <laughs> in. I'm going to do it in front of you. Yeah. So you can see that I'm not goofing <laughs> off. And I did. I went through every bit of insecurity. I I'm right. like, I need to let it out. Just don't take the next hour and pretend I didn't say anything. Right. Because none of it is really going to matter when I'm done. <laughs> and I said every insecurity I had, I'm not fit to be a father. Right. I'm not even a good person. All of that stuff. Try and to get then, it out. Yeah, to get it out. And I, I've always believed, like, you get something out of you, and it's gone. If you, feel, if you really believe it, it's mm-hmm. gone. Mm-hmm. So after that, I was like, okay, now we got to go to the doctor. And she, like, immediately after the, the, the timer went off, I was right. like, all right, we got to go to the doctor. She's like, why? I said, well, we have to check... Make sure you're actually pregnant, and then we have to see how far along you are. So we went to her doctor, did the blood test, called. We found out very quickly that we were already 12 weeks in. Wow, okay. So the first OB appointment was 13 weeks. It was the ultrasound. Yeah. And I I was like, I'm going to every appointment to make sure this is going to be okay. Did you? They turned. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was there, too. They turned on the heart monitor. Yes. And the second I heard the heartbeat, no joke, my brain went, this is it. We're yeah. doing this. Yeah, yeah. And it, it triggered something in me that I didn't know existed. Like, not like a, not like a, like a, I wouldn't call it a dad re- response. No, 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 but I know exactly, it's, I don't know if everybody goes through it, but I know exactly. I hope, I, I hope so too. Because you the same thing with me. I was like, this is it. This is what, no, I'm, I'm, this is I'm, what I'm supposed to this, do. Yeah, yeah. You know, what's funny is that. Mary Jane and I were the type of people that if it happened, it happened. If it didn't, I don't think we would care. You know I what had, I mean? And I had written it off. Right, right. Because and of I, how, how well, messed up everything was. Right. And I was already I was already in my mid thirties. So <clears throat> once it had I was like, like you said, I don't know, I, I forget the exact moment, but it was like, no, this is it. I can remember the exact this moment. This is it. The second I heard that heartbeat, I yeah. heard that Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was it. Like yeah. I'm like my I, I I know I cried. Right. I'm not one of those people that pretend I don't. Right. I teared. I held her hand. I'm like, this is it. This is who I am now. Right. And up until up until after he was born, I missed no appointments. Right. And after he was born, the first one I missed was because of a personal medical issue. Right. 
I've told you that story. Yeah. We'll save that for a definitely different time. <laughs> That's more gross anatomy yeah. than anyone needs right now. But yeah, that, that, that feeling of being responsible for another person. And for me, because I'm responsible for one, I'm responsible for both. Yeah. You know, you know the man idea of it, the thick or thin, she is part of my life indelibly, permanently. Never going to change that. Right. No matter how, even if we had ended up breaking up, I would force myself to take the same amount of care with her as I do right. now because it's so it you know we're it, connected in a way that we could never be otherwise. It's 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 very funny how similar me and you are because we have the same conversations like Mary Jane's my life. That's, you know, I've seen. That's that's <laughs> who I'm with. That's who I'm with till the end. But we have these like like we see these people and it's people we know who like use the kid as like a a, a weapon. A, yeah, against each other. And she goes, if that ever happened, she goes, I, you know, God forbid something, whatever, whatever, you know. She goes, I want you to know that I would never do that to you. And I was like, I, I'll... I, you, never, you never even thought about uh, it. Yeah. Because it's not because, even an option. Because it's not even an option. And it amazes me how people use their kids as a weapon to hurt the other person. And the other thing I don't get is, like you said, I hear it in your voice when you say that, you know, <clears throat> you miss him at night. I don't know how these guys go through their life and only see their kid on weekends. I don't know. I I, like, I work I late one like night. Now. Yeah, I I work late one night where I, you know because I'm out of the house by the time they wake up, and if I work late enough, I'm, I'm I don't come home till they're asleep, and I'm like, that's one day. One day I didn't get to see him, and I yeah. feel terrible. I can't imagine not seeing him for a week. I was in the hospital uh, when he was about six months old. Uh, I was in the hospital for like two weeks, and it felt like I had been detached from my life. Right. Yeah. Like, obviously, I wasn't working. I wasn't. Right. But all that aside, I wanted to get home so I could see my son. And video calling, I knew wasn't going to be the right thing. Right. He was too young. Right. And it wouldn't have been right. I was a mess. And when I got home, the first thing they did is I sat on the couch and my wife sat him on my lap and he just stared at me. Right. Like, he goes, there you are. And it felt. It, How old was he? Six months. Was that the first time he realized no, he, uh, it was he you? Was, on a daily basis. We we do bottles together in the morning. Right. Like I, I was the morning parent. My wife works at night, so right. she sleeps in the morning. So I'd get I'd get up with him in the morning, bottle. We'd sit and play, or you know, we do tummy time or something. Mm. And then next bottle, nap, diaper changes, and then nap before I go to work, and then off I'd go. But he'd sleep in my arm, wake up in my arms, and then I got sick, and the same thing had to happen because I couldn't physically pick him up. Right. So. They leave him in my arms mm-hmm. for the night. And if I had to change him, I could change him right there. I just couldn't physically pick him mm-hmm. up. So when I was finally healed, I go back to work. The schedule is now all messed up. He's like, he's because I was home 24 he's 7. expecting you. Yeah, yeah. So he was having trouble getting to sleep. He wasn't going to sleep until he saw me. Yeah. And sometimes he'd fight till like two in the morning. And then finally we snuggle, he'd sleep in my arm. And then when I was able to get him into his bed, I had to train him to be. In the crib again. A bed baby. <laughs> oh man, it was not that it, it didn't interfere with our personal life. Right. But what it interfered with was his sleep patterns because he was relying on another person to sleep. Right, right, right. And I am very much not that. I can sleep standing up. My wife, she likes to cuddle. Mm-hmm. I, I get that, kind of. <laughs> like, I get it, I get it, I guess I get it. But he was like, he would not sleep without another person there. And I had to retrain him to sleep in his crib. Yeah. And it, it was a fight. And it was like a screaming, like a screaming match. Thankfully, only one of us was screaming. Yeah. 
first night was like four and a half hours. Like I'd put him in the crib and he'd be standing there shrieking. And I had to tell myself, yeah, okay. you have to, you have to, you have to do that. And yeah. then the second night was an hour. And then the third night was 15 minutes. Yeah, it gets yeah, it and gets then, better. It gets better with each, with each night. And it took like even now he fights going to sleep, but he sleeps in his bed. Yeah. Every once in a while I'll come home from work and he'll be asleep on my side. I'm like, "You mother <laughs> throw him over my shoulder." It's amazing. My kids how how many times it's it's a big joke. I mean, everybody goes through it, but uh how many times all of a sudden they have to pee. All of a sudden they're hungry. All of a sudden they're thirsty. It's like, "Guys, you've been up for hours." <laughs> Come on. You've watched the sun rise and set. Yeah. Knock it off. Yeah. You're not thirsty anymore. We have in my house uh, a very strict policy of if you're hungry, you're getting a protein shake, like a kid's protein yeah. shake. Yeah. Uh, that's the best you're going to get. So food <laughs> is out of the question at night. Yeah. In the morning, you can ask me for whatever you want. If we have enough time, I'll make it. Like this morning, he wanted pancakes from scratch. I'm like, we woke up a half hour late, yeah. and I was planning on getting up a half hour early, so we're like an hour behind. Right. So tomorrow morning, I'm making him pancakes. Nice. He doesn't know that, but it's yeah. going to be a nice little surprise. Nice. And he's not going to hear this, so he doesn't know my machinations. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I love, like, I'm the cook in the house, so yeah, I feel he's also a picky eater, so it's hard to make stuff for him because his diet is so limited, but I make everything. My wife eats. My wife eats pretty much everything I make. I don't make anything weird. Right. But now he's starting to get into the stuff that I grew up on, like the stuff I learned to make from my parents. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The beef stews and the the Spanish stuff and the like. When I make sauce, like I, I use a slow cooker and I make, I make like a twelve oh, hour man. sauce. Yeah. And this kid, for the first time, started eating meatballs. Six or seven at a clip. Wow, like, big ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. right. Yeah. But still, he's he's yeah. a little kid. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's a big deal for us. See, we got one of each. We got one that'll eat anything. He'll try anything, which I love. At least you try it. If you tell me you don't like it, you don't like it. This that's kid cool. has moments of bravery. No, I got I got one of those, and then I got one that'll. Nope. <laughs> I got it. Nope. Hey, we got one of those, and then we got another one. Nope. Nope. That's funny. Ah, oh, Dave, I got to pee. Okay, so I think we should take it from here. Yeah. I think we hit probably oh. at least an hour and a half. Probably. Let's see. Let's see where we are. Because this is really just a first run. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 26. So let's call it. Yeah. And uh, you can pee and I can drink something. All right. We didn't think this through as far as beverages or anything. No, no. It's dry run. Yeah. We're pretty dry. Every- everybody <laughs> <laughs> everybody will uh, listen to this and then uh, we'll, we'll, we'll format it better next time. Yeah. Good first run. Maybe stay a, stay a little more on, on a topic. This is just a get to know you. I think getting to know you is half the fun. <laughs> Remember, we didn't we didn't get to do a lot of this before now. Right, right. Mm-hmm. But this is actually a really fun way to do it. And we covered stuff that we didn't know about each other. I learned two new things. Yeah. I didn't know that the gorillas had the singer from Blur in it. <laughs> and, and, that, uh, and that the real thing was written with Chuck Mosley's uh, vocals in mind. Yeah. So yeah. those are two huge things that I learned that actually <laughs> affect me positively. <laughs> and that goes with my two rules in life. I only have two rules to live by. What's that? Uh, lessen the suffering of others. Uh, basically, what I built my career around, you know, mm-hmm. helping people, even if I'm not saving a life. I don't, you know, I'm an x-ray tech. I don't save lives. Right. But I definitely make them suffer less. Yeah. Uh, and learn something new every day is the second rule. Cool. And I those like two it. get you so far. Yes. I love the second rule. First rule I try to, but I don't yeah. save lives. And, but it's not even that. Just, oh, yeah, even just taking away the pain from somebody else yeah. makes a difference. Yeah. 
I don't know who that was. My phone went off. I'm like, who the hell is C. Peterson from Brentwood? And on that note, we're going to call it. Yes. Have a good night, everyone. Be safe and um, listen to music. Yeah. Even if it's not something you're comfortable with. Yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next time. Later. I don't even know how to stop this. <laughs> it's actually not even recording. What? No, I'm kidding. It's totally.